Talk of the Town with John and Melanie. We say good morning to the mayor of Collingwood, Brian Saunderson. Brian, thanks for joining us here on Talk of the Town. Morning, John. Morning, Mel. Morning. Brian, uh, first of all, let's uh, see where we sit in terms of, uh, you know, a couple empty seats uh, at council. Uh, what's the story there in terms of filling them, and, and what's the deadline on that? Well, we, we have uh, one empty seat. Uh, the deputy mayor has indicated he will be coming back to council this month. Oh, so fantastic. So forward to that, and that's very good news. Mm-hmm. Um, keeps his uh, voice of experience around the table as well as a voice of reason, so it'll be good to have him back. And uh, with respect to replacing the vacancy uh, at the table, uh, applications are open. Uh, there are forms on the website if you go to Collingwood uh Engage calling it. Sorry, you can find the forms there. And if you have any issues, please call the clerk's office. And uh, those applications are open until February 28th, the end of the month. That's 4 p.m. And to be eligible, you need to be uh, an, uh, someone who's qualified to vote in Collingwood. So you need to have an address in Collingwood and be over at the age of 18. Now it it sounds like it more of a job interview for a, a you know an elected position. But that's well within the realms of what council can do, right? Yes, it is. And in fact, this late into the term, uh, it's uh, the mode that has been uh, um, selected by a number of other communities. Uh, Wasega Beach had to uh, fill a vacancy last term. And uh, unfortunately, the town of Blue Mountains is having to fill a vacancy as they lost their deputy mayor, Rob Potter. And uh, so this way it gives, uh, it opens the door for uh, any any resident of Collingwood who's uh, eligible to vote uh, and uh, provides uh, council with maximum amount of flexibility uh, in uh, selecting an individual, understanding that they're really here for, for less than eight months. Now, was there any thought or discussion about, well, why don't we just go to who came, who almost made it to council but just was didn't get enough votes? Well, that was certainly one of the options, and uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be the first uh, who didn't make it? You could have picked uh, any number of uh, or any of the uh, the um, uh, candidates that didn't get elected. But it's been three years since the election, and uh, so we felt this process was going to provide the best uh, uh, opportunities for the town. And uh, uh, understanding that it's really just eight months. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens with that for sure. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see how many candidates want to step up for the eight month period of time. Um, well, one thing that uh, if you're driving around town, you might notice uh, a lot of uh, cannabis stores popping up uh, throughout various regions. And some people are thinking, when is enough enough? Because uh, I think currently right now there's six stores with another two proposed. Uh, when is enough enough? And, and how is, uh, is the council or the, the municipality able to control it? Well, uh, the reality is that uh, when the when uh, stores were legalized and able to come online, uh, there was a provincial regulatory system, and so any store operator had to get uh, approval from the province to do that. So when council voted to opt in, I think that was one of our first decisions of this term, it was a very different landscape, and uh, we didn't get any store in the first um go around at the first granting of applications and then we got one in the second uh, go around since that time the province has eliminated that regulatory system and so uh, provided the zoning uh, allows for a a cannabis store then uh, then they're allowed to make an application um, 
or open the store, really, if there's no zoning required. So uh, it's now really market forces that determine the number of stores. That was not the case when uh, we entered into uh, or opted into the system. And the reason for opting in is that we would get uh, some uh, compensation from the province to help us with the regulation, the, the, the regulation of the of the uh, cannabis stores, and uh, unfortunately that has changed. So I think what you will see is uh, is the market forces determine what uh, the appropriate number of stores are, and, and I don't think it's going to stay at six, but uh, it's got to find equilibrium. Can you uh, can you address this through bylaws and 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 zoning? Can or, or can you are you not allowed to differentiate between products? Uh, initially, the province uh, required that uh, they could go in any commercial district. Mm. Since they've stopped the regulation, that may have opened the door. They can't be within certain distances of uh, uh, of schools and uh, and other areas. Mm. Uh, um, so that's something that we could look into uh, through the planning processes, um, given that uh, the province has sort of stepped away entirely from it. All right. Uh, now, let's. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about it. This was a hot, hot topic during the uh, last municipal election. We're, we're eight months away from the term being over, uh, and nothing really has changed. What's the deal with the grain terminals? Well, uh, you know, this uh, the. Terminals, uh, fitting analogy, is uh, down on the waterfront. It's like watching a duck swim. It looks very passive on the, from the surface, but uh, underneath there's a lot of activity going on. So town council has been engaged in this item. Uh, when uh, the current CAO, Sonia Skinner, came to the town, she was our executive director, and this was one of her main portfolios. And in the fall of 2019, she presented a white paper about how we might move forward and staff have been moving forward on that basis since then and in fact tomorrow we have a a public meeting uh, with uh, KPMG consultant that's come in to help advise the town and look at uh, what are the types of opportunities so that when we go out for a request for proposal um, we will have a better idea of what it is the town would be prepared to discuss and enter into and uh, so we're very much hoping that the final, uh, that the request for proposals will go out uh, very shortly after this uh, session tomorrow, based on uh, the information that the consultant gets. Uh, there will be an, in- an open session for public comment, and then, uh, and then we'll be going into camera to discuss some more sensitive aspects of it. So we hope that this council will be in a position to, uh, to make a selection based on the uh, proposals that we do get from the public or the private sector before, before the end of this term. So before the election, that uh, we will have made that decision. So we are working very hard on that. It's not an easy topic, and, uh, but it is a very important one for uh, the future of our waterfront. But this isn't the first time we've gone to experts to to get to information on what to do with the grain terminals. Well, actually, John, I think it is. Uh, so back in 2010 to 2014, they put a for sale sign on the terminals, and we're looking uh, for uh, potential purchasers, and uh, that didn't go anywhere, um, and the sign came down. Uh, in fact, at that time, the... Uh, uh, Central Park Steering Committee had recommended to the town that they look at getting a consultant to find out, uh, because it's such a, a major investment and a large asset that has important uh, consequences for the community, 
uh, we felt that uh, we recommended they get a consultant like KPMG to come in and help them scope the process and determine what types of opportunities might be out there. Uh, but Council of the Day didn't do that. Uh, so, uh, so like, to my knowledge, this is the first time that uh, we're looking at uh, a scoping uh, an RFP process and then having a public mm. tendering process. Uh, so uh, it, it is a big undertaking, and we had to do some engineering analysis, uh, which has now been in the books, I think, for about a year. We did uh, an analysis quite a while ago. The, um, and that's when uh, we found out that it's over $7 million to either tear it down or, or leave it up. <laughs> yes, it's, it's, I, at the time they said $5 million to tear it down, $8 million to keep it up. So, uh, so yes, it's not. There's no expe- inexpensive uh, off ramp on this. Um, so we need to, given the size of this whole investment and the, and the type of money that's going to be involved, however we proceed, uh, I think that uh, you know taking a very thorough approach is important. And so that's what we're doing. It's taken longer with COVID uh, than we had anticipated, but the hope is it will be done before the end of this term. There was talk of earmarking some of the funds that we received from the sale of of Collis and, um, uh, you know, is that money still there? Is that st- do we still have opportunity to tap into that to to deal with this if we need to? So council aside, uh, money for heritage spit, and I think the intention when we did that was to um, uh, have money available to put services in because for whatever the future of the spit is, we're going to need to put services down there, including water, wastewater. Mm. And so that's going to be a big investment. Council did set aside money from the asset sale proceeds for that specific reason. Um, And in terms of the tendering process, we will have to see what kind of uh, proposals come forward from the private sector as a result of the tendering uh, request for proposals. And then we can um, assess that uh, going forward. But we certainly put for money to put in services at the spit because that will be essential. Excellent. We've been speaking with the mayor of Collingwood, Brian Saunderson. Brian, thank you so much for being here and talking to the town. Thank you, both of you. Have a great day. Another 95 won the Peak exclusive interview. For more discussions about your community, visit the Talk of the Town page at thepeakfm.com.